Homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. The question that has been asked is, can you explain what is abandoned once you enter the stream? I've often heard that three fetters are no longer an issue. In fact, that seems to be the focus of teachings on stream entry. But is there anything more? Yes, we can look at what is abandoned uh, when you enter the stream. There's actually more than just the three fetters that is abandoned by a stream enterer. And of course, those three fetters are important and we'll, we'll look at them. And yes, it's true that at the moment, uh, when it comes to stream entry, the, the single focus always seems to be describing the three fetters. But it's important to note that when you read the suttas, that's not the main focus that the Buddha placed on stream entry. The main focus that the Buddha placed was always on you know, factors leading to stream entry or uh, the methods of stream entry that included looking at the Paticca Samuppada, looking at understanding and penetrating through the five aggregates of clinging, uh, being able to see through and understand the six sense bases and therefore the six sense consciousness. Also looking at uh, the spiritual faculties was another way. And then of course the ways that he often taught lay people, which was through four things, you know, which three of which always included perfect confidence in Buddha Dhamma Sangha. And the fourth one was either virtues dear to the noble ones, or it was uh, generosity, the practice of generosity and relinquishment, uh, non-stinginess and, and charity. And so those were the emphasis when it came to giving advice about how to guarantee a good destination at the end of one's life and to cultivate uh, right view and the Noble Eightfold Path. So the fetters are often talked about, but I suppose you don't see in the suttas someone coming up to the Buddha and saying, how do I remove these three fetters because I want to enter the stream? That's something that you probably don't find. But let's look at all the, all the various things that are abandoned when you enter the stream. The first thing, uh, and the, probably the most important thing, is the massive reduction in dukkha. Because when you enter the stream, what you've done is you've cut off uh, a certain amount, and it's a great amount actually, of dukkha. Because when you imagine that you've been circling, transmigrating life to life, countless lifetimes, and would um, still be transmigrating through countless lifetimes, then there's a, a large amount of dukkha that one would expect, you know, as a result of creating another body, or creating another life, or another rebirth. And what is guaranteed when you enter the stream, because you've started to develop the Noble Eightfold Path, you've had you know, the first stage of insight into the Four Noble Truths. And you realize that actually, you're starting to understand Dukkha and you're starting to want to abandon Tanha and realize the cessation of Dukkha, then you're walking the Noble Eightfold Path. And so there's a number of suttas, particularly in the Sangyutta Nikaya, chapter 13, one of which is this one, the Nakasika Sutta, but then we've also been through another one called the Samudha Sutta. There's various other ones where the Buddha gives these similes. And these similes talk about which is greater. So in this case, it's 
you know, which is greater, the little bit of dust on the Buddha's fingertip versus the great earth. And, uh, you know, when, when the comparison is made, of course, uh, the, the great earth is greater. And so the great earth represents the countless um, rebirths and the vast amount of dukkha that one still has when you haven't entered the stream. But when you have entered the stream, that you become consumer in virtue, you um, no longer bound to countless lifetimes, you only have as a maximum seven, then that represents that little bit of dust in the Buddha's fingernail by comparison. So you've cut off this massive amount of, of, of dukkha suffering that you would have expected. And so that's the benefit that the Buddha um, gives to Dhamma, to the eye of the Dhamma and entering the stream. So that's the first thing that one abandons. And it's probably the greatest one because, yeah, when you, when you understand the first noble truth, you really realize, wow, that, that's, that's very significant. And that's probably one of the main reasons that one strives, you know, makes effort is encouraged by the Buddha towards stream entry because there is relative safety. It's not Nibbana, but it's relative safety. And you are with you know other noble, noble beings who have walked this path and who are walking this path. Venerable Sariputta was very knowledgeable as you know the second one of the second to the Buddha. And if you go to the path of discrimination, also known as the Patisambhidamagga, which is attributed to Venerable Sariputta, there's a lot of detail that Venerable Sariputta provides in terms of things such as stream entry. And there's one section which is in 1.1.11, which is talking about the moment of stream entry path. And it's in answer to a question regarding insight of wisdom path and emergence and turning away. And what you take away from this section of the Patisambhidamaka is that you are actually abandoning the wrong, uh, wrong path and you are actually, what's emerging is the Noble Eightfold Path. That's in essence what this section is about. So what is abandoned when you enter the stream, particularly at the moment of stream entry path, is you're no longer going on the wrong path. You're actually lifting yourself and activating the Noble Eightfold Path. And it goes into detail how this, this happens. So in answer to the question, how is insight of the Wisdom Path both emergence and turning away? So emergence is you're merging with the right view, the right intention and all those things in the Noble Eightfold Path. And you're turning away from the wrong view and therefore the rest of the wrong path. And so Venerable Sariputta says, right view in the sense of seeing right intention in the sense of fixing one's mind upon, right speech in the sense of taking up, right action in the sense of originating, right livelihood in the sense of purifying, right effort in the sense of exerting, right mindfulness in the sense of attending, and right concentration in the sense of calming. So what all these things are, are you know, arising or emerging from, they're emerging from wrong view, they're emerging from keeping with defilements and from the aggregates, and they're also emerging from external and all signs. 
and that's why it's called um, this insight of wisdom path of emerging and turning away and so when it comes to right view you're actually seeing okay this is the this is the wrong view and this is the right view and so you're emerging with the right view you're also seeing these these are defilements and and these are the true knowledge around the aggregates and so you're going away from that which is uh, ultimately going to keep you in samsara and then you're also emerging or seeing you know all these other signs that are uh, perverting one's mind and therefore uh, you want to remove yourself from them and so when you see all that it's almost another way of seeing you're actually starting to see the emergence of uh, the right things things as they really are so when it comes to right intention it talks about this sense of fixing one's mind upon so instead of fixing one's mind upon like the wrong things you're now wanting to fix your mind on renunciation nikamma, uh, non-ill will so abhiyapada and non-cruelty avihinsa and so you want to keep the mind away from defilements and and the wrong views and and all those signs that are going to lead you to wrong thought and wrong intention and so that's where you need to fix your mind on on the right things so with right speech it's taking up so you're cutting yourself off from the wrong speech and you're taking up the right speech and same with action you're originating you're actually rising up the right actions not the wrong ones and with livelihood right livelihood you're purifying or cleansing any wrong livelihood and going towards right livelihood and then with right effort you're exerting energizing uh, those sorts of things towards the wholesome path so you're actually wanting to make effort to abandon that which is already risen up and is unwholesome you want to prevent uh, unarisen unwholesome and then you want to develop and maintain safeguard anything that is wholesome so that's where the right effort comes from you exerting it's an active thing in fact all these things are actually very very active it's not a passive path the noble eightfold path and then with right mindfulness it's attending attending to what is wholesome attending to abandon what is unwholesome and applying yourself and then with right concentration it's calming instead of being distracted and uh, going away from that and so you're developing peace and calm uh, associated with right view and steering clear of defilements and that which is unwholesome and so really this is another way of looking at what it's abandoned uh, with stream entry that you abandon the, any wrong paths that one is practicing and you actually attend to activating the noble eightfold path beginning with right view so as a result of cultivating uh, the path, the Noble Eightfold Path, you realize stream entry path, but there's certain other things that you also realize once you become accomplished as a stream entry. And so six things are abandoned uh, according to these two suttas. So the suttas are Apaya Sutta and Pahina Sutta. So they're both in Anguttanikaya chapter six. One is so Apahaya Sutta is uh, discourse number 89, and Pahina Sutta is discourse number 90. 
And so it says, because one accomplished in view, which is the reference to the path of stream entry, has abandoned six things. What six? Personal existence view, so Sakaya Ditti. Two, doubt, which is Vijikicha. Three is misapprehension of virtue and observances, so that's Silabhata Paramasa. And then four is lust leading to the plane of misery. So lust is usually raga. Then five is hatred leading to the plane of misery, so dosa. And then six is delusion leading to the plane of misery, so moha. So you don't um, abandon all of the lust, hatred and delusion, but you abandon that which is which was going to lead to the planes of misery. And of course we have the three fetters. And the question that usually comes are, what are these fetters? And there are a number of suttas in the Sutta Pithika where the Buddha explains what these fetters are. One of which is um, just outlining that the list of ten is the Sangyojana Sutta, and that's in Anguttanikaya chapter 10, discourse number 13. And usually the reference is made to 10 lower fetters and 10 higher fetters. And the lower fetters are personal existence view, Sakaditi, doubt, which is Vichikicha, misapprehension of virtue and observances, which is Silabhata Paramaso, uh, sensual desire, Kamachando, which is number four. Number five is ill will, Biapado. And so those are the four lo five lower fetters. The five higher fetters are lust for form, Rupa Rago. Uh, formless, lust for form for the formless is arupa rago, and then conceit, which is mano or mana. Uh, restlessness is number nine, udacha, and then the tenth is ignorance, avija, and those are the five five higher fetters. So the first three are when you enter the stream. When you become a once returner, it's also the first three, except that you further reduce the amount of greed, hatred and delusion that you have through having developed the path further. You uh, abandon the next two lower fetters, sensual desire, kamachando and ill will, biapada, when you uh, further practice and realize non-return. And the five higher fetters are abandoned upon arahanship. Uh, so you, you actually, that's the only time that you have abandoned those ones. So those are the 10 fetters. If we now look at the first fetter, which is Sakaya Diti, and sometimes it's easier just to call it Sakaya Diti than to translate it into English. Uh, the English translations are fraught with misapprehension and it can make it difficult to understand. But anyway, in the translations, uh, sometimes they use personal existence view, individuality view, self view, identity view, existing entity view. And as you can see, it's, it's somewhat difficult to penetrate what, what does Sakaya Titi actually mean. If we look at the component parts of the word, you have Sakaya and you have Titi. So Titi we understand as view. And in this case, we attribute it as a wrong view because that's something we want to abandon. And Sakaya can be translated as existing collection. And you'll see when we go through uh, references to Sakaya Ditti that how this actual word is actually quite helpful because it's usually identified with how we grasp the five aggregates. So the five aggregates are form, 
which is Rupa, Vedana, which is feeling, Sanya, which is perception, Sankara, which is volitional formations, and Vijnana, which is consciousness. So when we grasp to the five aggregates and remain holding, then we take delight in them out of this wrong view, we remain holding, uh, we uh, cling, and therefore we want to come back to another existence, and therefore we birth again in the whole mass of suffering. So it's a collection of things. A heap of things is sometimes also used. And so we have a wrong view about these five aggregates that we're clinging to. And the chapter that's most useful because it has all the linked discourses associated with wrong views is actually uh, chapter 22 of the Sangyutta Nikaya. And within this sutta, there's also one sutta called the Sakaya Ditti Sutta, and it's discourse number 155. And it's a question and answer with the Buddha. And essentially what it's saying is that when the five aggregates exist, it's because we grasp onto them and we insist upon them that Sakaya Ditti arises, that we, we have this wrong view about this collection of things. And then it goes on to say, but if we see these five aggregates as impermanent, suffering and perishable, then it won't arise. We won't grasp onto them and insist upon them. And so the sutta or the meditation that is really helpful for penetrating Sakaya Ditti is called the Samadhi Bhavana Sutta. And it's all about concentration. And it's in chapter 22 and I think it's discourse number five. But in this, the Buddha goes through the five aggregates sequentially, one by one, and showing how they arise. It gives an inside pathway, and you meditate on those inside pathways, and you, you see how each of the five arise, and you use your own examples and, and penetrate it. It's really penetrating at the level of tanha, because it talks about three terms known, known as abhinandati, abhiwadati, ajotsayatitati, so you welcome it. You, uh, you, sorry, you take delight, you welcome it, and you remain holding. And therefore, after that, more delight arises. You cling to it. Uh, you want to come to exist again, and therefore you birth and the whole mass of suffering again. So there's a peticca samuppada, or a dependent origination in that meditation. The other part of the meditation is meditating on each of the five aggregates and showing how it doesn't come to arise. So when you do this meditation sequentially through the five aggregates, it's very powerful. And even if you do just form, like the first aggregate of form, uh, and you penetrate both the arising and the non-arising of, of form, very, very powerful. And so essentially Sakaya Ditti is saying that when you understand the five aggregates and that you realize that you don't want to cling, like whether it's form, feeling, perception, volitional formations and consciousness, you see them as impermanent, you see them as very painful and causing a great deal of suffering and also perishable. It's not worth taking as me and mine and therefore you, you, you penetrate Sakaya Titi. Now in the uh, Patisambhida, which is the path of discrimination attributed to Venerable Sariputta, he goes on to say that there's 20 aspects to Sakaya Titi and 15 of them are associated with the wrong view of eternalism and five aspects are linked to annihilism. And when you abandon uh, these 20 aspects, it's possible to realize the fruit of stream entry. 
Now, one thing to say about this before we show the table is that when you do the Samadhi Bhavana Sutta meditation, it's very powerful. And it's not easy to quickly look at the table and then say, oh, um, I've ticked all these things off. The thing about the Buddha's medicine, which he gives in these meditations, is that it takes a while for one to fully understand things and to fully see through things. But when you do the meditation based on confidence in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, based on confidence in the Four Noble Truths, it's possible to have cut the cords of these wrong views, this Sakaya Ditti. So that's something that, that's useful to understand and to know and not to be alarmed when you look at the table and think, oh, I haven't, I haven't penetrated that. Sometimes what happens is these are the detail, the intricacies, the mechanics of what the Buddha sees. But for us to overcome, it doesn't mean that we have to go through each one and see that, okay, we've gone through, we, we, we've abandoned that. It, sometimes it's not possible. That confuses us more than anything. So just bear that in mind when we look at the table. So this table takes its information from the Patisambhidamagga attributed to Venerable Sariputta. The first thing to say about this table is not to use it as a reference point for stream entry. Uh, Buddha uses other means for being able to declare stream entry, particularly for lay people. And knowing the ins and outs of Sakaya Ditti is important, but at the same time, not to get bogged down, not to get stuck on, do I believe this, don't I believe this? Because that wasn't the approach that the Buddha gave. But for completeness and as a reference point, it's good to present this table and it's good to look at it, at seeing what it's actually saying. So what it's actually saying is that we can adopt beliefs over form, feeling, perception, volitional formations or consciousness that bind us to samsara, where we misapprehend something within this collection of things. And it may be just one thing, it could be simply consciousness, that we uh, take the wrong view and therefore we don't free ourselves. And uh, what uh, Venerable Sariputta highlights is there are 15 views that are eternalism views and there are five views which are annihilistic. So the red box that's framed around five things is around annihilism and the rest of them which are in the blue box uh, actually represents eternalism views. And when you look at this table, um, what's important to say is that when you do something like the meditation contained within the Samadhi Bhavana Sutta, it actually cuts out all these views whether you know it or not particularly in the first instance when you develop the path of stream entry and later on when you get to more intermediate studies of the Buddha's teachings when you start to develop the path more you start to understand these different aspects of Sakaya Ditti um, in a more penetrative way but in the first instance just because you look at this table and you think oh I'm not sure about that then it's not a, a exclusion from stream entry because if you've done particular meditation such as the Samadhi Bhavana Sutta then it actually cuts it out for you and that's just by taking refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha and following his instructions and actually seeing the fruit of that meditation. Now what you can also see from this table is that you can see where certain teachings that are out in the world right now particularly around consciousness and uh, those sorts of teachings, whether they're Buddhist or non-Buddhist, a lot of the teachings right now, because of 
science grabbing hold onto consciousness and also spiritual teachers grabbing onto teachings around consciousness. And these are things that existed at the time of the Buddha and before. Uh, you can see where people are practicing the wrong path because they're starting with a view under one of the four, particularly around consciousness, which is wrong. And so, as the Buddha said, if you start with the wrong view, then you develop the wrong path. And you won't even know that it's happening because the wrong path does mean that you still develop some kind of mindfulness, even though it's wrong mindfulness. And you do develop certain levels of concentration, but they're not the concentration that leads to Nibbana. And when you follow the instructions of the Buddha, then you're safeguarded from that because you'll develop the Noble Eightfold Path that leads with right view. And so right view when it comes to Sakaya Diti is abandoning any view that is associated with taking any of the aggregates as permanent, as uh, bringing happiness, as not perishable, lasting, and worth taking as me and mine. And so when you abandon that, then it's a lot easier to enter the stream. And so this is the, the associated with the first fetter. So the second fetter is the Vichikicha, which is abandoned by stream entra. And often there is this misapprehension around the fetter that is doubt and the hindrance which is doubt. And we answered this when we had this question before around doubts and stream entry. So if you want more detail, re refer to that question and answer session. Now, just to quickly go through, uh, this particular slide is taken from that slide pack, and it, it's the one from the Pethakopadesa, which is the Pitaka Disclosure, attributed to Venerable Makachana. And in this, it really says that Vijikicha, the feta that is abandoned, is where you no longer have doubts about the Buddha, no longer uncertain about the Buddha, you're confident in the Buddha. And it's the same with the Dhamma and the Sangha. And then when it comes to the Four Noble Truths, you're no longer uncertain, no longer have doubts, you believe, you're confident that, that, uh, that there is, you know, suffering with all conditioned phenomena. Uh, the same with craving as the origin of suffering. And that uh, with the cessation of craving, then there is a cessation of, of suffering. And that the Noble Eightfold Path is the way leading to the cessation of suffering the one leading to Nibbana. And so when you have all these things, then it's really you remove doubt and, and you can enter the stream. And people often misapprehend, you know, the hindrance of doubt as being that uh, when you enter the stream, you no longer have any doubt at all. But that's not true, that it's only the Arahant when you removed all defilements, all hindrances, and that includes doubt that's when there's no longer any uncertainty or doubt. And so up until then, even if you're a stream enterer, a once returner, a non-returner, then there will be doubts about, should I practice this way? Should I practice that way? Uh, am I sitting correctly? Have I understood this teaching correctly? What should I do about uh, this aspect of the Buddha's teaching? Should I go and ask the teacher? Why hasn't the teacher asked this question? Is this person right or is this other person right? Which Sapurisa should I, you know, trust? These are the things that are the hindrance of doubt. But when it comes to doubt about Buddha Dhamma Sangha, the Four Noble Truths, there is no doubts about that. And that means um, you've unshackled yourself from the fetter of Vijikicha doubt.
And then the third fetter is around the misapprehension of virtue and observances, Silabata Paramasa. And this one we've covered when we've looked at the question about perfect virtue and stream entry. And we were saying that, no, you don't need perfect virtue in, in answer to that question for a number of reasons. And the detailed answer is there. But when it comes to certain uh, views that we have, this is one of the wrong views that can exist. Uh, because if you remember, like even Sakai Diti, that, that's wrong views associated with you know, this existing heap, this collection that we call uh, our existence, you know, made up of form, feeling, perception, volitional formations and consciousness. But there are all these other wrong views as well that one can have. And virtue and observances is one of them where you think that if I keep this particular type of sila, you know, these types of virtues, and I observe these kinds of rituals or uh, practices, then I'll, you know, be liberated. And so at the time of the Buddha, and even now, you know, but specifically at the time of the Buddha, there were people that practiced similar to keeping dog virtues or even like ox virtues or observances. And so they kept training in this particular way. And it, you know, the Buddha actually said when he was asked around certain types of practices and virtues that people were holding, that it doesn't liberate you, that if you practice in a particular way, you could end up in the animal realm. But if you had the wrong view around, you know, the practice of that, then you, it could be even worse. It could be hell realms. And, and so it's very important, like upon stream entry, that you realize that actually right view is around what the Buddha teaches, that uh, all conditioned phenomena um, lead to suffering. And, and so it's due to a set of causes and conditions that we create this body and therefore create this whole mass of, of suffering. And liberation only comes when you see through that, not through keeping strict sila, not through uh, keeping uh, certain practices and observances, which could revolve around, you know, what we eat, how we sit in meditation, <clears throat> how we hold on to our virtue, uh, how we uh, think about certain things. You know, there are even people thinking if I stand on one foot for a number of days, then I'll be uh, enlightened. So there are a number of very, very um, far-reaching types of practices that <clears throat> existed before and still exist today. Uh, and, and so these are the things, if you have that wrong view, you actually want to abandon that. And so when when you enter the stream, then this is something that is removed, this fetter, this shackle around you, that you have these all these wrong views around what you practice and, and hold on to. Now, virtue is important in the Buddha's teaching. But it, it's the virtue that supports the right view. And it's the virtue that carries you, that enables you to develop um, the mind and therefore to develop wisdom. And it's only for that purpose that you hold on to the virtue. It's, almost, it's, it's really like the raft that carries you, but it's not the be all and end all of the, of the Buddha's teaching. It's not virtue that will lead to Nibbana on its own. And at some point, you actually abandon virtue to realize arahanship because, you know, like what the Buddha says, it's not virtue that is, um, it's not the liberating thing. It's, it's the Noble Eightfold Path. 
And so this particular sutta, um, when it comes to uh, Venerable Ananda, he, he's speaking to the Buddha and the Buddha is saying, Ananda, are all virtue and observances, austere lifestyles and spiritual life fruitful when set up as the essence? And Venerable Ananda says, this is no simple matter, sir. And then Ven uh, the Buddha says, well then, Ananda, break it down. And so uh, Venvananda says, take the case of someone who cultivates virtue and observances, an austere lifestyle, and a spiritual life, setting them up as if they were the essence. If unwholesome qualities then increase and wholesome qualities decline, such virtue and observances, austere lifestyle, and spiritual life set up as the essence are fruitless. And then he says, but if wholesome qualities decline, sorry, if unwholesome qualities decline, while wholesome qualities increase, then such virtue and observances, austere lifestyle and spiritual life set up as the essence are fruitful. And then that's what Ananda had said and the teacher approved. So many things are being taught even now in the world. You know, if we eat in a particular way, take a particular diet, then that's, that's you know, something that may lead to Nibbana. And if we practice in a particular way, sit in a particular way for another you know, set period of time and we do these certain things, then that will, you know, liberate us. But many, many times, you know, we have this misapprehension if we do it, uh, it will be fruitful. Even doing good, you know, sometimes we have this thing, if we do a lot of charity, if we do a lot of good, but what we misapprehend sometimes is in doing good, we actually break a lot of sila. We have so much... In terms of unwholesome thoughts, we, we breed defilements in order to do good. So the question you ask yourself sometimes is, what is the point of doing so much good when there are so many defilements being bred? We get into arguments, we tell people off, we have arguments in our minds, uh, we get very angry, and that's in order to help others. And so sometimes these things, you know, we think, oh, if we do a lot of charity, we'll, we'll inevitably be liberated. But along the way, we're going down with our sila. And if we have that wrong view, it, it's a warning to us to be very careful around that. So that's one of the things that it's quite easy to to, to get wrong. And, and I think that's where the ditti viesana and the uh, sila viesana uh, sometimes in Pali, Vyasana is actually more like Vyasana. Vyasana. So Ditti Vyasana and Sila Vyasana, when they meet, that's when you can fall down. So you, you have this thing around uh, the wrong view and therefore you can't hold on to your Sila and therefore you, you're bound towards lower realms if you don't correct it. So this is the fetter that's abandoned when you actually come to enter the stream. You no longer see all these things. You actually heed the Buddha's words and you actually start practicing the Noble Eightfold Path. There are actually two other things that are abandoned alongside the three fetters. And these are the underlying tendency to wrong views. So this is Ditti Anusaya. And also the underlying tendency to doubt, which is Vijikicha Anusaya. Now, Anusayas are known as underlying tendencies. They're also sometimes called latent tendencies or dormant tendencies, biases, something along those lines. And usually you hear Anusaya in reference to three things. 
Adithana, Abhinivesa, Anuseya. And Adithana are like these determinations or resolutions. Abhinivesa is like the adherences or the glue. And then you have Anuseya. And these are the things that the Buddha talks about when you are walking the Noble Eightfold Path and you're abandoning wrong views. And so you're abandoning things that are associated with these wrong things, particularly around what we cling to in samsara. So with the underlying tendencies, there's seven of them. So there's karma raga anusaya, so the underlying tendency to sensual lust, patiga anusaya, the underlying tendency to aversion, ditya anusaya, which is the underlying tendency to views, vichikicha anusaya, which is the underlying tendency to doubt, mana anusaya, which is the underlying tendency to conceit, and bhavaraga anusaya, which is the underlying tendency to lust for existence, and then avija anusaya, which is the underlying tendency to ignorance. Now what the Patisambhida Manka says is that the two that seem to be quite prevalent, the two ideas or the two wrong views that seem to be prevalent is the one around sensual lust. So karma raga nusaya, because whatever's in the world that we find lovable and likable, then we have this underlying tendency. And then the other one that uh, is quite strong is this patika nusaya, that anything that is unlovable or unlikable in the world, then we have this underlying tendency to resistance or aversion. And so when those two are there, our ignorance grows, our conceit grows, our wrong views grow, and our uncertainty grows, you know, in accordance, uh, like linked to those, those two in particular. And so what Venerable Sariputta has outlined in the Patisambhida Magga is that the underlying tendency to wrong views is abandoned or cut off and the underlying tendency to doubt is cut off. And you can really see why, like when we went through Sakayaditi and we went through Vichikicha, you can really see why you've actually uh, cut off the underlying tendencies because you've given yourself no recourse to actually breed doubt or breed you know, wrong views. And so that's a, a very wholesome thing. It's a very useful thing. And the thing about fetters and underlying tendencies is Often what we do in pursuing the path is we try and interrogate ourselves uh, around the, the fetters and the taints and the underlying tendencies. But the problem is that it's not so easy to see when they've been removed. Uh, you often think, I don't have that information. You know, I don't, I don't, I haven't penetrated that. But the thing is, when you actually follow the instructions of the Buddha, uh, it actually is removed when you actually see through in your meditation, but it takes time for everything to come together, for the, for almost like all the things that were were done in the meditation, for that, for them to land and to be fully cognized at a manifestation level, but also for you to see that actually it's been removed and, and to, to explain it to somebody else. It takes time and therefore it's always encouraged when you enter the stream or even when you don't it's that you keep practicing you keep being with the right company you keep being with the Buddha's words you keep practicing the meditations that you're learning
and you keep applying you know wise attention and when you do so you keep correcting things you know because all the meditations that the buddha teaches us they're always correcting the view and activating the noble eightfold path and also activating certain links in the paticca samuppada dependent origination and when you trust the buddha and the dhamma and the sangha it's so easy because you just go i'm going to do this now when you don't have that it's more difficult because there's a reluctance a resistance towards it and excuses come up and and of course you're not going to want to it's not your first inclination and that that's why it's easier when you've entered the the stream because you actually gravitate towards it you're leaning towards nibbana anyway whether you under, fully understand something or not and it's important to remember that there are three stages of insight to the noble the four noble truths and so until you're an arahant you won't fully understand dukkha you won't have fully abandoned tanha you won't have fully realized the cessation of suffering and you wouldn't have fully developed the path so when it comes to knowing everything it's not possible and and so therefore that's why sometimes when you out of enthusiasm investigate do i have these fetters still or do i uh, have i removed the underlying tendencies and so on and so forth you can get it massively wrong and you can also discourage yourself and so it's better to follow the instructions of the buddha when he makes reference to stream entry to one's return to non-return and just follow those teachings not try and interrogate yourself through the fetters not try and interrogate yourself through the underlying tendencies or or such a thing because buddha doesn't say you take measure of yourself and declare stream entry just because of the fetters that's not what you find in the sutras you actually you find it when he makes reference to refuge in buddha dhamma sangha and things such as virtues dear to the noble ones having a very strong thread of generosity non-stinginess charity and uh, relinquishment things of that nature for declaration of stream entry so it's good to be cautious around these things but to know what they are so this is another couple of things that are abandoned by a stream entry and another thing that's abandoned by Uh, stream entry is that you are no longer bound for lower realms to planes of mystery, misery i mean that's a massive thing that means you're safeguarded from suffering in the sense of what you would experience if you're born in the hell realm if you're born in the hungry ghost realm if you're born in, as an animal there's so much fear there's so much misery and suffering pain physical pain and so what you often find in the suttas when buddha exclaims or says you can declare stream entry is this statement i've finished with rebirth in hell the animal realm and the hungry ghost realm i've finished with all places of loss bad places the underworld i am a stream entrer i'm not liable to reborn in the underworld and i'm bound for awakening and so that's another thing that is abandoned by a stream entrer There are also six uh, wrong actions that a stream entrer can no longer do and these are murdering one's mother murdering one's father murdering an arahant and injuring a realized one with malicious intent causing a schism in the sangha and acknowledging another teacher this appears in the bahudattaka sutta which is in majjhima nikaya discourse number 115 
Now, what's true about most of these is that you're incapable of doing them because you already have certain things, cultivated certain things around the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, and the Four Noble Truths, and of course, within that, the Noble Eightfold Path. But really, because when you enter the stream, you also cut off the planes of misery, the lower realms. And so most of the things on this list, particularly the first four, you can see you would be bound uh, for lower realms and maybe even the fifth as well. And so when you enter the stream, you, you can't actually do these kinds of gross misdeeds. It's just impossible. So that's the answer to the question about what's abandoned by a stream entry. And we can share the merit with all sentient beings. May all beings be happy and well. May all beings be free from suffering. Blessings of the Triple Gem. Wishing you all well. Teruan Saranai.